New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's Cloud here coming at you with another podcast. I'm New Vision's Sermon Research Specialist, and so I love doing these and glad to be back with you. We're in chapter 19. Nick started off, uh, us off yesterday, and really in, in this part in chapter 19, we're, we're at a, like a big paradigm shift in the book of Exodus, or you know, kind of this bookmark, as it were, uh, the first part being the, the story most people are really familiar with, you know? God rescues Israel out of Egypt across the Red Sea and that that whole thing. They're at this point, they're in the wilderness. They think they had a water problem. God provides water. They think they had a food problem. God provided food. And uh, a couple weeks ago we saw, you know, there's this victory against Amalek. And that that's this God's still providing for the, his people in the wilderness. And now we really get in here in chapter 19, we're really getting to kind of the second paradigm, the second half of, of Exodus. And that's really the preparation of Israel, you know, God's rescued people at Mount Sinai. We've all heard the Ten Commandments. Well, that starts a shift in the book of Exodus. Here in chapter 19, the preparation of the people, what does it mean that God's about to give these Ten Commandments? Then the Ten Commandments, and then really the rest of the book is about other laws and regulations and the building of the tabernacle and and all this stuff about entering the promised land. And so today we're focusing again on the preparation of God's people for his presence. And we're really going to see, you know, what does it truly mean to be in God's presence? What does that entail? And so we're going to pick up in chapter 19. I'm starting at verse 14, going through the end of the chapter, and I'm reading out of the ESV Bible. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. So going over those verses, I mean, it seems like it's it's actually kind of repetitive. And it's like almost Moses is kind of arguing. It's like, hey, 
you know, I, you, you told us not to come near the mountain. Okay, I got that. Uh, God's like, hey, don't come near the mountain. And Moses is like, well, court, I mean, they don't want to. Like, what do I have to do? And he's like, no, seriously, tell them. And so it's we see this repetitive nature. It's like God is not messing around with what's going on in this text. And so when we began and kind of setting this up, it's like, man, what, what does it really mean to be in God's presence? And I wrote the first point down. And you're listening, and this is going to really rock your world, right? All right, here's the first point. God is awesome. And you're like, oh, cool, thanks. I guess I can go back to listening to music or whatever it is. But no, seriously, God is awesome, and we need to think about that. And that's why the text is so repetitive here in in chapter 19. God is awesome. So what does that mean to be filled with awe? What does that entail? Well, it's two things. And the most prominent one in this text it's just fear, fear and, you know, sheer terror. They're scared. It says they're trembling. And I know a lot of times, maybe some of us grew up in church. Maybe some of us didn't grow up in church. And we've kind of heard that thrown around. It's like, hey, this is just that fire and brimstone, that God of the Old Testament stuff. But it's in here multiple times. And, and God's like, I'm not messing around. If you're going to be in my presence, here's what's you, you're you could die. All right. So, and here we'll just go over the text real quick. Like thunder, lightning, thick cloud, trumpet blast. The, they're trembling. You know, smoke and fire and smoke in a kiln. Uh, those are all symbolic of things. You know, they're actually happening. But thunder, it's like God's awesome power. Thunder and lightning. I mean, that especially in that culture, we're used to riding out the storm here in our American context. I get you know all sorts of notifications on my app. But you think throughout the course of human history, you know, weather's very frightening and can kill you. And so God here, it's not God actually, it's, you know, God's representation that's called a theophany is his presence in the storm. And so that that shows his power and a thick cloud and the trumpet blast is showing his, you know, his kingly divinity. And the Israelites would surely have been familiar with with the horn that blew with Pharaoh, they would have been familiar with that kind of kingly representation. But this is totally, you know, whole other league trumpet blast. But they're afraid. And here we see fire, you know, fire destroys if it's not handled correctly. And so there's something to that that I think, you know, depending on your background, some of us, maybe some of us have lost that, you know, that fire and brimstone God that you know, the preacher who's all sweaty and he's yelling at you. But there's some validity to that. And we say that in the text that God is awesome. And first of all, that entails just fear, being afraid of God. And this is not joking around. And I know that may be hard for some people to hear because, well, you know, the God of the New Testament, you know, Jesus is love and peace and and all that is true. And I think there has to be a way to hold those two truths. And the only way to make sense of it is Christ. And so we kind of look at that in light of the New Testament. So, of course, on this side of the gospel, we've heard, yeah, okay, so we can approach the throne with confidence. Hebrews talks about that. Or that perfect love casts out fear and that Jesus represents love and he is, you know, God's love to mankind and dying on the cross for us is a supreme act of his love. And all that is totally true. We should never miss sight of that. But we also shouldn't just let go of all the other attributes and and truth of who God is. He is awesome. And that means he's, we're fearful of him. 
though there is differences in how the Israelites approached God here in, in Exodus 19 and versus how the how we as Christians now can approach God, there's also a similarity. And I'd like to read for you Rom, or Hebrews chapter 12. This is pretty interesting. It kind of sheds light on this text. Hebrews 12 verse 18 says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given to them. Then it goes on. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses even said, quote, I tremble with fear. The author of Hebrews goes on. Rather, you have come to Mount Zion. So not Mount Sinai, but Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and the innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant to sprinkled in blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So it's going on. It's like, yeah, look here. It's true that God's fearful, but also mediator, Jesus pointing to Jesus. And that's what Moses was doing in Exodus 19. He was the mediator and the people of Israel are scared. And so is Moses. So that pointed to something bigger and better, and that points to Christ, that, that we can make sense of these two things. Verse 25, the author of Hebrews continues, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more I shall shake the earth, but also the heavens. So in some ways, we, we have more to be afraid of. It's not just, here's Mount Sinai. This is, you know, life and death into the world, the heavens and the earth. All right, verse 27. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of the things that are shaken, that is, the things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And so that first point where it's like, hey, God is awesome. Oh, gee, thanks. Well, that's because he's He's a consuming fire and we should be afraid of him. And even the New Testament, it confirms this. It's not, oh, this is the God of the Old Testament and now we have the God of the New Testament. It's both and. It's Hey, we have Jesus and we don't have to be afraid, though we have much to be afraid of, of this God. And, and the tension, and that that's, can, can be confusing, the tension, what theologians call God's imminence and God's transcendence. In other words, God's otherness, where he can't, we can't even be in his presence. But also, we can be in his presence because of our mediator, Jesus Christ. The fact that we have a mediator in Jesus Christ doesn't change the fact that God is a God to be feared and to, to be in wonderment and awe of, of everything that he is. I think that weighing these two things can kind of be, you know, a little heady, a little intellectual, ethereal kind of, well, what are you talking about? But I think it's super practical because knowing the truth on one hand that God is to be feared, while at the same time, on the other hand, holding the truth that we can come to God in confidence and joy and peace and that perfect love casts out fear in Christ, then that tension between God's imminent and God's transcendence, God's otherness, but God's closeness 
is where the rubber meets the road on all matters of obedience, on all matters of obedience. And so here in Exodus 19, God's preparing his people and they are truly scared. And we should be in true reverence and awe because God is awesome. That includes sheer terror and fear, but it also includes reverence. Oh God, thank you. Because you're so fearful and I'm, I can't be in your presence, which is a theme throughout the book of the Bible, that makes it even more amazing because I can be in your presence because of Christ. And having that in our minds and wrestling with those what seem to be paradoxical, what seem to be one truth as opposed to another, what seem to, it isn't, is it makes sense in Christ. And knowing that is practical as we walk in obedience. And so the people of Israel are keyed up and hopefully we're keyed up. We're thinking about what it's like to be in God's presence. He's called us out to draw us in. But now that he's drawn us in, we're in his presence. How do we live? And now we're ready for the Ten Commandments. And so that's a topic for tomorrow. I hope you'll join us. Pastor Brad White's going to be giving us a word out of Exodus chapter 20. I hope you all read this for yourselves and that you have a great day. See you tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.